According to the Missouri Digital Heritage, the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, commonly known as the St. Louis World's Fair of 1904, was the last great international exposition before World War I. The fair, built on a 1,200-acre site, included hundreds of thousands of objects, people, animals, displays, and publications from 62 exhibiting countries and 43 of the 45 states. The setting of world records, such as the largest organ, and working displays of every important technological advance were significant design goals. The fair was a combination of trade show, civic peace, a monument to culture, along with more than a tinge of American pride. The fan spared more than seven months from April 30th to December 1st and was hosted at Washington University in St. Louis. Now you may be wondering at this point why I'm telling you about the St. Louis World's Fair of 1904. Well, it's because it also hosted the 1904 Summer Olympic Games, the first Olympics held in the United States. The sporting events were greatly overshadowed by the fair, though, due to high travel expenses, lack of European athletes attending, and the founder of the modern Olympics not attending either. U.S. athletes are said to have won 239 of the 280 total medals for all events combined, although that number has been disputed due to the fact that many American competitors were recent immigrants who had not yet been granted U.S. citizenship. But what you don't know is regardless of who won what awards, one event rose above all others in strangeness and in contention. Welcome to What You Don't Know About Sports, where we delve into the forgotten stories, teams, and athletes of sports history and question widely held takes on today's sports. I'm Blake, and this is Matt. Hey. And today we want to tell you the story of one of the most controversial and unforgettable sporting events in history, the 1904 Summer Olympics Marathon. This is the first episode of what will be an ongoing series about cheating in sports, and the 1904 Olympic Marathon was full of hilarity. A few examples include purposeful dehydration. <laughs> a, that's a quote. Pause. That's a quote. <laughs> You're saying purposeful dehydration. That is a quote. The 1900s are a great time. Yep. The aughts. <laughs> a car ride to the finish line. Rat poison and brandy. Rotten apples. And many more. This, this sounds like some kind of lemony snicket. <laughs> You're going to learn today. Situation, yeah. <laughs> All right, so according to the Smithsonian Magazine, quote, from the start, the 1904 marathon was less a showstopper than sideshow, a freakish spectacle that seemed more in keeping with the carnival atmosphere of the fair than the reverential mood of the games. The outcome was so scandalous that the event was nearly abolished for good. So the race organizers thought that the outcome of this was so bad that they almost didn't let it happen four years later. No more marathons. No more marathons we, at the Olympics. We clearly cannot operate as, <laughs> as a marathon. This is not going to work. No, this was almost the end of it. Um, and disclaimer, real quick, I'll probably be saying stuff like allegedly, or it was reported that a lot, because in 1904, the reporting of the games were 
lost in translation a little bit, could have been forgotten, could have been fictionalized to some degree that's, because it was so long ago. That's a difficult thing just in history, period, uh, is newspapers from that era, like the, the mid-1800s through into, into World War One. sometimes, especially if they weren't one of the big newspapers, mm-hmm. would make up stuff. And and just write ridiculous like things, clickbait? like modern yeah, day it's clickbait. clickbait. Yeah, it's clickbait because they got to sell papers, and sure. ridiculous headlines would sell papers. So it's hard to tell. It's hard to find primary sources that are newspapers that are legitimate from uh, that time. Period. From that time period, it's strange. That is interesting. So, to the details, only thirty-two total runners participated, and only fourteen completed the entire race. Wow! So less than half of the total runners that started the race. Finished. Ran the entire distance. And there'll be more cars in the Indianapolis 500 than there were in an Olympic. A <laughs> hundred years ago. Okay. All right. So, so some of the runners included multiple experienced marathoners. Sam Malore, who won the 1902 Boston Marathon. Arthur Newton, he finished fifth in Paris at the 1900 Olympic Marathon. John Lorden won Boston in 1903. Michael Spring winner of Boston in 1904, and a gentleman by the name of Thomas Hicks, he finished second in Boston in 1904. He was not a professional runner. He was a, he was a well-seasoned amateur runner, but by trade, he was a professional clown. <laughs> <coughs> he was a professional clown, his, his real job. Um, another important individual to this story is a gentleman by the name of Frederick Lors. He was a bricklayer by day, so he was also not a professional runner, and he could only train at night. And the way that he earned his spot was the Amateur Athletic Union, AAU, sponsored a, quote, special five-mile race, and he placed in that to be able to... But he basically qualified for the Olympics by placing in a special five-mile race, quote-unquote. So he qualified for a marathon, 22 yes. point. Well, today it's 26.2. 26.2 by running a five-mile event. Apparently. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> we'll, throw, we'll throw that word in there. Allegedly. Allegedly. Also included 10 Greeks who had never ran a marathon before. I guess Athens, Athens. The, the first Olympics, the first modern Olympics were in 1896, so just eight years prior to this. So this was only the third Olympiad. Right, yes, uh-huh. And I guess Greece was so proud that they were like, hey, we got to send somebody. So they just... Like, this is our event. Like, it started here. So they sent 10 people over to the United States who had never ran in a marathon before. We need to represent, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't matter where we place. Just send people. We just got to be there. Yeah. Apparently. Okay. Also in the field were two men who were part of the South African World's Fair exhibit. They didn't come to run. They were here... To be a part of the South African exhibit at the World's Fair. Um, they were from the Swana tribe of South Africa. I hope I'm saying that correctly. They arrived at the starting line barefoot. They, weren't, they didn't wear shoes. They as, weren't wearing shoes. As you do. So they were ready, allegedly. <laughs> my favorite guy, my favorite guy in this entire race, is a gentleman, a Cuban national, and a former mailman by the name of Felix Carball. He was allegedly five foot tall. No taller. He raised money to come to the United States by running the length of the island of Cuba. Like a fundraiser. 
But like, like all of Cuba. But like ran from one end of the island to the other. Wow. And he arrived in New Orleans just before the marathon was set to start, like a day or so before. He lost all of his money in a dice game. All the money he raised to get here and to get to St. Louis, right. he gambled away in New Orleans. He okay. had to hitchhike to St. Louis to even participate in the race. He approached the starting line wearing no athletic clothing. He was wearing a long sleeve shirt, long pants, a beret, and heavy street shoes. Well, he, he lost his athletic clothing. He might, the, he might, have, he might have gambled that away, too. And uh, he couldn't. This is all I have. I have a bag of clothes. I'll, I'll bet this, and it was craps, I think, and he lost everything. And a fellow Olympian apparently felt so bad that he approached the starting line wearing pants and a long sleeve shirt that they found a pair of scissors for him, and they cut his pants at the knee so that it was, I guess, more feasible for him to run. And Mr. Carbajal also, allegedly, didn't eat 40 hours prior to the race. Almost two full days prior to the start of this marathon, he had not eaten. Well, I, obviously, if you don't eat... You will weigh less. You're lighter, yeah. And therefore... Aerodynamics. Yeah, you will you'll be able to run much faster. That's science, son. That's I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. That's definitely... I don't know what to tell you. I've got him as the favorite. Ooh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in for a surprise. Okay, so the race took place on August 30th. They started the race, bang, pistol in the air, at 3.03 p.m. Right. At the end of August. Right. The temperature was in the 90s. <laughs> with humidity. Whatever the humidity in St. Louis is like, I don't know. Uh, not great. It's terrible. Is it terrible? Yeah, it's bad. Is it as bad as it is here? Uh, it's, yeah. Missouri summer is... Is it bad? Yeah. Okay, it's bad here. <clears throat> yeah. But the total length of this race was only 24.85. Okay. Well, you know, so... They cut them, cut them some slack, I guess. Well, now we're closer to the five-mile qualifier, making sense. <laughs> Just a little bit. We're... So your money is on Felix Carbajal to hey. do yeah. great things. Yeah. My man ran across Cuba, and yeah. he's like... I mean, he's only five foot tall. And he's five foot tall. So he probably weighs like a buck twenty. That's probably a negative though, if he's five foot tall, like little T Rex legs. Well not T Rex legs. He has like T Rex. He has arms a big head and little yeah. legs. Yeah, that's not gonna work. Okay. Well yeah, we'll see. <laughs> One fair official called the course, quote, the most difficult a human being was ever asked to run over. Here's why. The runners ran five laps around the stadium that the race started in before they headed out. The race course was covered in inches of dust and dirt. So they didn't pick, like you imagine what you see today, they're running on like Roads. clean, swept yeah. asphalt, and it's all fairly flat. And No, they chose a course that was covered in like backcountry roads, and there were dust and dirt, and all this stuff was being kicked up in the runners' faces by the vehicles that were in front of them, pacing them. Right. Like marking the trail, essentially. Right. Follow, yeah, but they were following cars. But they're kicking up dust. But they were kicking, cars. yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. And remember when I said purposeful dehydration? Yes, that also comes into play. All right. So there were. I read somewhere that there were seven hills varying between 100 and 300 feet in elevation. Which 300 feet in elevation? That's that's tall. That's a tall hill. That's tall. And it was reported also that there was cracked stone across the roadway. And like it, these were not ideal running conditions, which you would imagine. Not only was all of that wrong with the course, they also didn't close the course. <laughs> there was no like, hey, you can't cross this street. There's runners coming. The runners had to dodge traffic, delivery wagons, railroad trains, trolley cars, and people walking their dogs. So, okay. So, so you're losing time if, if like Billy Bob down the road... 
is just cruising by. You got to mm-hmm. let him pass. They probably ran the entire twenty six point two. They ran the extra mile and a half just dodging all this stuff on the road on the course. <laughs> the zigzagging. Yeah, they're community. zigzagging around the course. The community. Yep. This was also a point of contention. The best case scenario that I found was that there were only two locations along the entire route to get water. Oh my. So it's 90 degrees. 90 degrees, end of August, middle of the afternoon. and Two water stations. At best. At best, there were two at water best, stations. At best. I read Allegedly. somewhere that there was only one, and I read that there may have been zero. But so, best case scenario that I found is there was a water tower at mile 6, and there was a roadside well at mile 12. And that was it. And so, so even on best case, they're running the last 12 they're running a half marathon with nothing to drink. With nothing, just get nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. No water, no nothing. Hey, that's science. Well, you know, water weighs it's heavy. down. Isn't water like eight pounds for a gallon or something? Like yeah. a gallon of water weighs eight pounds. Yeah. So that's that's not good. Well, remember that eight pounds number. Well, this is the same time too that you don't let athletes drink water, right? Like you're practicing outside and in the heat for football, and you just throw up and keep going, like basically. No yeah. So apparently, a common area of research at the time was dehydration in athletics so the chief organizer of the games james sullivan wanted to minimize fluid intake to test the limits and the effects of quote purposeful dehydration so this was intentional because the chief organizer of the games was just curious to (laughs) somebody please dehydrate themselves so we can find out if this works yeah essentially yeah they purposefully only gave them at best two water stations 1900 science Mm -hmm. is the best 1904 was miserable apparently yeah so the race starts pistol shoots fred lures heads out front this is the um the brick layer brick layer uh big upper body probably he's probably big real big strong guy yeah he led the race early but he dropped out after nine miles with severe cramping well imagine that yeah no water cramping (laughs) seemed to go imagine that and he got a ride from one of the accompanying vehicles like he gave up and he got into a vehicle and began driving to the finish line. Okay, He just As, wants fear of missing out. He just wants to be there. I, yeah, I guess he just wanted to see what he was going to miss out on. So he hops in this car, and apparently he is waving at spectators and the fellow runners that he passes in the car as he's going. This is important. Another man named William Garcia, who apparently worked as a lather. Like, that's a job. Yeah. Like, Lather. Not, not a, is it, is it lather? Lather, I think, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. not a latherer, like he's no. not bathing people. No, that would be... <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not bathing people. They had door knockers. I don't think they had bathers. Oh. So, but a lather, yeah, I think lather. Lather. Yeah, like... It's some wood, sort of construction. Woodworking, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what he did for a living. He nearly died. They found out later that uh, he nearly died of hemorrhaging... Because all the dust from all the vehicles, it coated his esophagus and ripped his stomach lining. Right. So it almost killed him. He's not the only near death either. That's some like dust bowl stuff. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. So, and then after that, uh, John Lorden, he suffered about a vomiting and he gave up. He abandoned the race. This might be my favorite. Um, one of the South African runners was chased a mile off of the course by wild dogs. So just, Okay. He just, <laughs> he was running and came across some wild dogs and they chased, like he ran from them and ran a mile off course. Which you know at this point he's not marathon running either. Like he's, he's just like sprinting. Running. You can imagine. Yeah. He, feral he, dogs. Yeah. He would be like, like for his life running away yeah. from these dogs. 
I found nothing that said he actually finished the race. I'm sure not. <laughs> Surely, at that point, like you're a mile, of course. Can you even find your way back? Yeah, I don't to know where how he would to be. I don't, he might be in St. Louis still today. Yeah, just wandering yeah, the woods. I don't know. And then your boy Felix, he was the apparently pilot, yeah. Felix Carbajal. He was very friendly with the spectators, so um, he didn't speak very good English. He's from Cuba. So he was chatting with the people, the spectators on the sides of the roadway in his broken English. He was trying to make conversation and stuff. He was being very friendly. At one point, he stopped at a car because he saw the occupants of the car eating. And, of course, he hadn't eaten in a while. Yeah. They were eating peaches. So he asks for one. When he was refused, he playfully snatched two of them and ran away. Like, <laughs> kept going. And he was eating the peaches as he was running. Yeah. Well, further along the course, he found an apple orchard. He stopped. To have a snack. The apples he ate turned out to be rotten. And he suffered from stomach cramps. Imagine. Yeah. He laid down and took a nap. Oh, yeah. He laid, he laid down and fell asleep. He read the tortoise <laughs> in the hair as a child. <laughs> um, and he knew what was going on. He, knew, he, he, had, he had it. He had it. He saw that this was terrible from the start. And so he's oh. going to rest. Yeah. So I mean, well, he, I, he probably wasn't going to make it without the nap. So. No. No. It was, it was probably his best case scenario. Sam Malore, who is now in the lead, yeah, after <laughs> after all these people, Sam Malore is now in the lead. He also experienced severe cramping. He slowed to a walk and then eventually stopped also, dropped out of the race. This leaves Thomas Hicks. Thomas Hicks was assisted by a support crew starting at about mile 10. So he's got a plan. Apparently. He had a, he had a team, two people at least. He's done this before. This was the amateur runner. So he was Thomas a, Hicks was the professional clown. Right. This is but okay. He was so he was a professional clown by trade, but he also finished second in Boston in nineteen oh four. So he, like he had four months before this yeah. ish. He knew what he was doing. Probably. And he's got all his clown friends. He, uh, yeah, he might be running with one. They probably came in one corner. <laughs> all eighty of them. Apologies to all of our clown friends <clears throat> in the audience. How rude. So Thomas Hicks was assisted by a support crew. He begged for a drink of water, but they refused to give him any. With the purposeful dehydration theme, apparently. Obviously. And instead, they just sponged his mouth out with warm, distilled water instead. So, Like, here, let's just coat your tongue and tease you a little bit. Your body will think it's hydrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a mental thing. Yeah. You'll be fine. You'll be okay. <laughs> seven miles from the finish, so about, what, 17 miles in, this is when things got interesting. This is when things got interesting. <laughs> so, so, Nothing that... So we got one guy. We got one guy bleeding internally from dust. Yep. Uh, we have cramps because we don't drink water. Everybody cramps. Uh, we got a guy with stomach cramps because he ate some raw apples because he's just like milling about and, and taking his time. Yep. And now we're gonna get interesting. Now we're getting. <laughs> now we're getting interesting. So his team at this point, seven miles away from the finish, his team at this point decided that now was the proper time to provide Thomas Hicks. With a mixture of strychnin and egg whites. Strychnin is rat poison. Okay, yeah. And at the time, it was commonly used as a stimulant to the nervous system for athletes. Yes. They, like, I... they, they regularly took this thing, this concoction. I um, I just want to jump in. Because, number one, that's just bat crazy. That we're going to give rat poison to anybody. But, like, we, I just can't stress enough that the 19 aughts were ridiculous like that's a time where like heroin would have been a medicine 
Like, we're just going to mix some heroin with some alcohol and just give just, it to you. Just give you some. And it'll make you feel better. So, I'm not surprised by right this idea, but it's just so... Rat poison and egg whites. Rat poison and egg whites was the mixture that was being given to this gentleman. Oh my goodness. In the middle of a marathon. Okay. Um, well, now he's my favorite to not win. Okay. he's going to die. <laughs> okay. So, again... Strychnine in small doses was commonly used at the time as a stimulant. And at the time, there were no rules about performance-enhancing drugs. Of course. Everything in the, in the, in the Olympics. There Everything. just wasn't anything. Yeah. There were no rules against it. But this turned out to be the first recorded instance of drug use in the modern Olympics. Nice. So, so shout out. Yep, yep. Shout out to Thomas Hicks here. So, while Thomas Hicks is slowly dying, probably... Fred Lors miraculously recovers from his cramps. This is the gentleman who jumped in the car and was waving at people. Yeah, he's in a car. Yeah. He jumps out of the car at around the 20-mile mark and starts running again. Okay, so... He's like, I'm fine. There are no rules against performance-enhancing drugs, which I get. Correct. Because drugs in general were just legal. Like, you got cocaine and soda. Yeah. Uh, But there has to be rules (laughs) against driving in a car... There were. Okay. All right. <laughs> there were. But when this, this, he just jumped out of the car and started running, one of Thomas Hicks's support crew members allegedly yelled at him, like, hey, you can't do that. Get off the course. Yeah. And he just turned and kept running anyway. So Frederick Lords crosses the finish line in first place in just under three hours. Okay. Alice Roosevelt was at the finish line. Teddy's daughter? Yeah. She was waiting at the finish line. She was 20 at the time. And she had the honor of congratulating the winners. So she placed the wreath on Lors' head. Because he finished first. Because he came across he got the line there first. first. Yeah. He accepts his wreath on his head, and that's the Olympic thing. She was about to put the gold medal around his neck when word got out at the finish line that he didn't run the entire course. Right. Somebody had to have... Yeah. I was going to Somebody ask knew. If there was anybody monitoring other than the competitors being like, what? At some point, someone got to the finish line, word got around, and before the gold medal was provided, they said, hey, he cheated. None of this. Someone was quoted saying, someone called an indignant halt to the proceedings with the charge that Lors was an imposter. Imposter. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's the quote. Lors claimed at this point that he never intended to accept the honor of winning and that he only finished as a, quote, joke. I didn't I didn't mean to accept the honor of winning. <laughs> I just was in the process of accepting. I wasn't sure what I was doing. Like, I don't know why I was giving all these cool things, but... I didn't mean to win, but if they're going to let me win... But <laughs> they're going to give me the prize, then I'll take it. Okay. No, no, just kidding. It was a joke. So, Lors is disqualified. He is actually eventually banned from the sport. Okay. Short term. But at this point on the course, Thomas Hicks is still running. He heard that Lors was disqualified and he was in bad shape at oh, this sure. point. He was he was he was suffering pretty badly. The only liquid he's had is rat poison. Well that's not even a and liquid. Egg whites. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, I guess his trainers thought it was a good idea to give him another dose of rat poison egg whites and wash it down with brandy. Oh yeah, because like, here. I- Swing this. Alcohol and other substances is always the choice. Uh, Don't listen to him. 
if you're gonna drink <laughs> something, or if you're gonna take something, always wash it. Chase it, it with alcohol. Yeah, right? that's yeah. Don't do that, kids. Bad idea. Don't do that, kids. Terrible. No, stop. <laughs> Another quote from one of the race officials, Charles Lucas. Quote: Over the last two miles of the road, Hicks was running mechanically like a well-oiled piece of machinery. His eyes were dull, lusterless. The ashen color of his face and skin had deepened. His arms appeared as weights, well tied down. He could scarcely lift his legs while his knees were almost stiff. Huh. Essentially a zombie. Right. But that's like, that's, he's literally describing a machine though. Like his arms are down by his side. Mm -hmm. So he's not even there's up. There's no, right yeah, there's no him. real full motion in his arms. He's not fully moving his legs. He's just, he literally is knees like a bending. Man, just kind of like. Yeah, just shuffling. Shuffling to the finish. Essentially. Which makes sense because they've twice dosed him with something that kills. <laughs> twice other animals and at this point about two miles from the finish line he started hallucinating and believed that he was still 20 miles away from the finish at this point he's begged to lay down and for something to eat and then of course they didn't give it to him yeah he was given more brandy and egg whites no rat poison though and then once he got to the finish line he was being held up by his two trainers so like imagine like an nba player limping off the floor can't walk they're carrying him the flu game for his jordan yeah yeah, yeah. His legs were moving, not touching the ground, and he was carried across the finish line. Across the finish, so like they didn't. He didn't catch finish him under his own power. Line. Okay, so that's that's a detail, right? Then that he he, he was his, crowned the winner. So his team his team drug him across the finish line. He was they, being held up by his trainers while his legs moved back and forth, not touching the ground, and he was crowned the winner. So at that point, what's what? I mean, I get that it's not that as cheating? far, but what's the difference between that and getting in a car, like? You're not. Is, is that cheating? Yeah. I mean, he was probably being assisted way farther back on the course. Nobody too. saw it. Yeah. Yeah. You. I don't think. But they almost they almost crowned a man who only ran like thirteen of the twenty four miles too. So. Which I get because they didn't see right the car escapade. Sure. But they did watch. Well, they were probably like, "Well, we've already had one terrible, terrible thing happen here. <laughs> Let's just get this over with." <laughs> They they probably the people at the finish line probably don't even know about the wild dogs. They don't know about the apple orchard. Yeah, they've not they heard of any of this stuff. They don't know about. They might not know about the hemorrhaging. Who knows? Like, yeah, they were just like, wow, we had one disaster. We can't do it again. We might not be able to do it. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, I would count that as I would count that as cheating. I think that's not. Well, he was crowned the winner, and he felt so bad that four doctors took an hour tending to him just for him to feel well enough to leave the grounds. Right. He lost. Eight pounds during the course of the race. <laughs> during <laughs> during the course of the race, he lost eight pounds, and he was quoted, "Never in my life have I ran such a tough course. The terrific hills simply tear a man to pieces." Well, I mean, yeah, three hundred feet of elevation is thirty stories. Like that—that that is intense. Yes, that's a lot of. So he's right there. Yes, that is. It's on dirt, but no mention of. Any of the other escapades that took yeah, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was given rat poison twice, swigged some brandy while he was running, wouldn't let him eat, wouldn't let him drink water, but the hills will tear a man to pieces, though. Yeah, the hills were the thing that the was hills, the trouble. <laughs> the hills were the trouble. The hills tear a man to pieces. So, the finishers included Thomas Hicks in first place. Okay. Albert Corey in second place, only six minutes behind. Ah. Arthur Newton, one of the professional runners, in third place, your boy. Yeah. Mr. Felix. Mr. Felix. Finished fourth. Hey, if he hadn't taken that nap. He laid down and took a nap on the side of the road. And finished fourth. And finished in fourth place in this He race. would have got a medal 
if they disqualify the guy that didn't actually he, do it. He would, I would be upset. He would have gotten bronze. Man. I, I would be upset if I uh, if I had come all the way from Cuba and some dude got carried across the finish line. Oh, yeah. And I didn't uh, I didn't get to get my medal. That's true. Yeah. Maybe he should have been disqualified. So your boy could have went, taken something back home. Yeah. That sucks. And in fifth place was one of the Greek runners. Who just showed up mm-hmm. and, and went. Yep. Man. What a disaster. The craziest thing about this in my head is that knowing the way science operated then. Mm-hmm. Like, there was some real science going on, like, with like the, the way we think of it now. But somebody said, had to, that, all right, the guy that completely dehydrated himself, drank rat poison, and went, he finished first. So clearly this is... Dehydration works. The correct method. <laughs> There's so much about that to like, like, I don't know. You run it on dirt. You would never do that now. No, I mean, like, I mean, triathletes might, like, there's some, there's some off, off off-road triathlons and stuff. Like, there's an Xterra series in Hawaii where they mountain bike. Yes. And then they trail run. Yes. I mean, so that's a thing. But that's like an, I mean, it's not extreme sports. But in the Olympics? But it is like an extreme test. It's different. It's on purpose to do that. Yes, but we know we know so much about like how if you run on a on a dirt surface, how much more energy it takes each stride because yeah. you're losing so much in slipping. in the dirt. Yeah, um, so you would never do that. No, you really wouldn't run barefoot now. I mean, I get the idea of running barefoot. Some some, some um, endurance people still swear by running barefoot, right? But I, I mean, in a in an Olympics, no, in right? a sanction, I mean, in the, in I say these people were professional runners, but in 1904... Right, nobody's a professional. Are you really a professional runner? You don't really... I mean, are there endorsements? No. In 1904, like yeah. Nike's not paying you to run for them in 1904. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stuff like that is just non-existent then. Of course, hindsight is fantastic, especially in this case, because striking is a hell of a drug. It, hey, look, it gets you to the finish line. <laughs> it stimulates the nervous system, so I understand... Why they would use it as a performance enhancer at the time because they probably didn't know as much about the side effects. Maybe is that would that have been the case? Like, is that why? Yeah, it's just it was a lot of strange things where, yeah, like I know I know the heroin thing is because it it did. I mean, it's an opioid, so mm-hmm. it does dull pain and it would make your symptoms lessen. Sure, because um, they didn't know. Uh, some doctors did, but most doctors, especially out in the the country. Um, they, they were unaware of like how disease works. So you had, you felt this way, they gave you a thing to make you not feel this way anymore. Sure. So it works. You're just treating symptoms, yeah. Um, so if it, if, if, if it is something that stimulates the nervous system, they would have said you were tired. This helped you. This gave you energy. Yeah. This worked, which on some level is following the scientific method, um, <laughs> but it's not quite getting to the root of the problem. Right. Well, a lot of a lot of medications do that now. Sure, I mean, you, you that's take, still the idea. You, I mean, people take stuff all the time just to deal with the symptoms of something and not actually the cause. So, I mean, it happens all the time now. And then maybe, maybe in 116 years, we'll realize that, like, hey, oxycodone was a terrible thing. Well, yeah, because we're doing that now. Right? <laughs> there's clearly other painkillers. What are we doing? Well, there's, there's there was probably plenty of people in 1904 that just refused to take rat poison too. But yes, well, yeah, yeah. Before yeah. the competitive advantage, if this was the first, 
I don't know how long it was taken before this, but this was the first documented case of PEDs in the Olympics. Right. And it happened until, well, I mean, it's probably still happening. Let's be real. Obviously. The IOC didn't actually ban the use of PEDs until 1967. So if, if, so anything was still legal in the 60s. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Up until 67. So the mid 60s is when sports federations were like, hey, this might not be the best for competition purposes. Which is a like a bigger question and topic kind of because you know in the in the sports that are the most popular in America obviously there's problems with that still mm-hmm. but it's kind of selective about which sports and which things are the issue like steroids and baseball is like oh gosh oh, no, no 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 we can't do that but but you hear about uh, every once in a while an NFL player will get popped now they don't quite tell you what the substance is but there was a time where like I think Sean Merriman. Yeah, he was um, big into yeah. the roids. Yeah. The Bond, Barry Bond stuff was going on in baseball and everybody was having an uproar. And then Sean Merriman was suspended four games. He's like, it. watch this. And everybody's <laughs> like, ah, okay. And it's just like how we think of, because there's two camps, right? There's the one that says, this is unfair, you can't do it. And then there's the one that says that just do whatever is still fair competition if everybody's doing it. Does that come from, does that come from the sport the sports themselves, or does that come from the fan bases of the sports? Because, of course, baseball people are very traditionalist. Yeah. So you would think, like, oh, anything to gain an advantage shouldn't be, like, corking bats and the resin and, I mean, like... A sp- and the Astros cheating to win a World Series. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs> Just kidding. But, I mean, it happens all the time in baseball, but, of course, the Royce thing was, was a huge thing because so many people got caught and not all of them um admitted yeah to like, oh yeah it was me but like i mean it happened of course drug use happens everywhere and we won't spoil all of our future episodes for you because we want this to be part of a cheating series so maybe we do peds in another sport later but it's interesting that baseball had such an issue with steroids and of course there's outrage over the astros and like they're probably going to fight everybody at every stadium they go to this year they deserve it because yeah, they robbed a lot of people of any everything that they ever wanted in a, to get out of a sport. Yeah. was a championship. Yeah. And they cheated to get there. Yeah. I think it's definitely a fan base thing. And it's like a perception thing too, right? Because steroids are bad. But baseball people as traditionalists, they... they um, so Bonds is wrong because he took steroids to break Henry Aaron's record. Yeah. Well, we don't know... We know when, when Aaron was playing... Players were taking amphetamines for energy. Playing every day, you're tired. Yeah, sure. You just pop, but they call them like greenies or whatever. You mm-hmm. just pop one, you feel great, you play the game. Those are outlawed now. And I don't, I don't know that Aaron was taking them, but there were players of that time period mm-hmm. whose records are falling that did take them. And that doesn't get as much of a stigma. Nobody cares. Uh, because, I don't know, I don't, it's just not the thing that's happening now. So, PEDs are definitely just a weird thing and it and it shows because everybody knows or everybody assumes that this this rat poison stuff is going to stimulate your system mm-hmm. that's going to give you an advantage and everybody's just okay with it um so at least for a little while everybody was in the the science camp of yes this will help you do it yeah and it is still selective right you can have um you can have uh those energy bars yeah running Right? That's still legal. Yeah, they eat while they run. And, Endurance athletes can eat if they need to. So it is just kind of a 
arbitrary line of what is this is allowed to be performance enhancing and what's not right or what's i mean water might be performance enhancing right it might have helped a lot of people in 1904 this race yeah plenty more people can finish (laughs) but what where's the line and like what's what's illegal and what's not yeah so along with that i found a passage on the internet basically outlining why the 60s were the cutting off point right for peds so during the early 20th century many olympic athletes discovered ways to improve their athletic abilities by boosting testosterone as their methods became more extreme it became increasingly evident that the use of peds was not only a threat to the integrity of sport but could also have potential fatal side effects on the athlete the only olympic death linked to athletic drug use occurred in the rome games in 1960 during a cycling road race, a Danish cycler fell from his bicycle and later died. A coroner inquiry found that he was under the influence of amphetamine, which caused him to lose consciousness during the race. So he was essentially riding, lost consciousness because he was so doped up, and just fell. Probably hit his head and that was it. And, and that was it for him. So by the mid-60s, Sports Federation starting to ban the use of PEDs, and then the IOC formally followed suit in 67. So it's more of a... It, so we had somebody die. More of an athlete safety thing, yeah, so it seems we, like, than, I mean, some, I mean, people were raising the idea of, hey, this might be bad for competition, but ultimately, hey, these drugs are killing athletes. Well, killed an Olympic athlete, and then the outrage came to fruition. Which makes sense, because now you're, I mean, that's part of the competitive process, is to just do that little bit more, do that little bit more. If this is, if this helps me, then this little bit more is going to help me even more. And you do push to the the limit there, and there if you go over the edge, and that so that makes that part makes sense. Sure, for why I can see that. Yeah, but so not only are the use of PEDs in question, especially in this case, how about the guy who jumped in the car and almost won the freaking thing? Yeah, he hopped in a car, he rode in the car for eleven miles, only ran thirteen of it. Yeah, and and. They were ready to let him win until somebody else said something. Yeah. And that's maybe the first time it happened, but it isn't the last time. No, no. So <laughs> there's a really iconic story about a woman named Rosie Ruiz. I'm not going to spare you all the details, but she ran in the 1979 New York City Marathon. Allegedly hopped on the subway. Yeah. And I think that was the story. She hopped on the subway. Well, that race time qualified her for the 1980 Boston Marathon because you have to qualify to get into that. Well, then she also cheated during the Boston Marathon, and it was only a week after Boston when the New York City officials started thinking, like, wait a minute, I don't know, like, they started looking at her splits and stuff, and in one of the two races, I can't remember, she ran the second half of the marathon, like, at a world record pace. She ran the first half in, like, two hours, and the second half in less than an hour. Just getting it. And that was suspect, of course, so they disqualified her from New York City. That did not automatically disqualify her from the Boston finish, but Boston eventually opened their own investigation and was like, hey, no, same kind of deal. Why are your splits so high? I think it was in Boston. She only ran the half, the last half mile of the race. Yeah. She, she got like a... She, she like snuck into the crowd off the start, got a ride all the way to the finish, and then just popped out. And it was like two Harvard students who were there to watch the race who was like, hey... I saw her on the subway or something like that. Yeah, she clearly was not <laughs> She running. clearly was not running this race. So, but that's that's one of the more and there are actually some interesting more recent ones, some amateur, there's a lot of amateurs who try and cheat the system, but 
the professional ones are the most profound because you're supposed to have athletic integrity and you're supposed to be doing this for just to test your limits kind of thing and you're willing to cheat just yeah. to win, which is obnoxious. But so that's one of the that's one of the more interesting and there's a lot to that, like the details of the investigation and stuff that we could go into later. But that's probably the most famous one where she hopped on the subway in New York. And then went on. And there were there was like uh one of the doctors one of the physicians, I think, who was supposed to be at like the first aid station to the finish line, they had a conversation on the subway or something. And so, and then she, and then Rosie walks in and she's like, "Oh, I claim to be a hurt runner. I finished just a minute ago. Help me," or something like that. To it try was, and avoid. To try and avoid like cr- jumping out and crossing the finish line like yeah. you're supposed to, but she got a time registered that qualified her for the next race. And, then- and I'm sure people still do, like amateurs. I'm sure they still do this where you're running like a 5k, 10k, something like that. You've got those those chips that that track yep. you, but if you go around the first corner or whatever where there's nobody else, you just snip off your chip, hand it to a friend. They go off. You run the same time they do. Their chip gets snipped and kept, and then they just kind of pull out it out of their pocket and throw mm-hmm. something. You can still. There's actually a website like marathoncheaters.com or something that right. like it's that sole person's job essentially. Yeah. It's like a, I mean, it's like a full-time job for that person. And that's all they do is just out people who cheat in these amateur races. There's tons of, tons of evidence of it. But one of the more, the, the bigger professional one is the Rosie Ruiz story. Yes. I just still can't get over my man that did not finish under his own power. <laughs> Somehow that <laughs> was, was ground the champion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the part that sticks in my head because even if, even, I guess they felt bad for him. And so it was okay. But even they if. just let it go. Yeah, even if even if PEDs are okay, I would think that that is still like, hey, that's cheating. It would be, yeah. I mean, because you there's an there's an iconic video of it was big race. It was a professional runner who ended up, I mean, recently who was crawling across the finish line. Yeah, like fell. His legs gave out like in the final stretch. I don't I don't, I yeah, don't know yeah. who it was. Forgive me, but um, it, his legs just gave out inside of the finish line and he crawled on his hands and knees to yeah. cross it on his own power right which is that's which, what you're supposed to do you're I would supposed imagine. to do and um i guess sometimes i guess sometimes cheaters do win uh moral of the story folks <laughs> yeah usually cheaters never win that's what we say at carolina hurricanes games cheaters <laughs> cheaters never yeah but uh here in this case uh i think a cheater did win a fun parting fact Thomas Hicks and Fred Lores would both run in the next Boston Marathon against each other. Yeah. You want to guess who won? I'm going... I'm going... One with, of the two of them won. Yes. Which Hicks, one? Hicks won... No. So, was oh. not a, neither of them were professionals. Lores is winning. You think so? Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. He won. Got and it. apparently won fair and square, run the whole race. And Everything like, was There fun. was no controversy, yeah. But the the atmosphere of this Olympics just blossomed all sorts of ridiculousness what a story incredible incredible thank you for listening to this episode of what you don't know about sports if you enjoyed what you heard today please leave us a review five stars only and hit that subscribe button wherever you listen if you have a great sports story we want to hear about it you can connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at wydkas podcast and on our YouTube channel at What You Don't Know About Sports Podcast. All episodes are written, recorded, and edited by us. Stay tuned for the next episode.
All episodes are written, recorded, and edited by us. Stay st- Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay tuned. <laughs> My goodness, I am terrible right now. All right. If you have a great sports story, we want to hear about it. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and our Twitter at Y. <sighs> need to do like the singer's warm up with a like. <laughs> Say some tongue twisters and be done. I straight up looked at a W and said Y. If you have a great sports story, we want to hear about that. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WYDKS. Thank you for listening to this episode of What You Don't Know About Sports. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please leave us the God, my goodness. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Words are hard, man. I know the English language.